Hello and welcome to Scott Rock. Where your hosts from Climb Scotland, Robert McKenzie and me, Cal McBain, catch up with climbers every two weeks who have different epic tales to tell us. We hope you enjoy the show. And remember, when you're out climbing, be safe and do your buddy checks. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Scott Rock. Uh, this week we are joined by uh, an instructor from uh, Eden Rock now, actually. Uh, she used to work in Ratho, she used to work in TCA, she climbs all over the place. You might recognise her, she's pretty recognisable. It is Karishma Rogerson. Uh, she has been an instructor for the last few years, um, it has been a climber since she's been in Scotland. Uh, and to be honest, until last year, I didn't know too much about Karishma until Callum asked a couple of questions and wow, has she got a cool backstory. Um, so yeah, I was route setting with Karishma one day uh, and asked if she would mind sitting down and telling me this story. So in a panic, we both ran around Perth College desperately trying to find a room that we could do this recording in. That included a first aid cupboard, it included a disabled toilet, it included a janitor's closet, none of which we could actually get access to, but we did manage to find a, a room to do the recording in. It was quite a big room, so the recording isn't great, the audio is a bit sketchy sometimes. Apologies for that, Karishma. I promise next time we chat to you, we'll have a clean audio. Um, but definitely worth listening to. She's got an amazing backstory uh, and a really cool attitude to climbing as well. Um, so yeah, sit back and enjoy the chat with Karishma Rogerson. So, hi Karishma. Hello. <laughs> Robert. This is, this is possibly going to be one of the funniest episodes that we, we do. So me and Krishna today were route setting in Perth College for one of our Club Scotland coaching academies tomorrow. Uh, and me and Callum have worked with Krishna a few times in the past and you've told us a few stories that I think are just awesome. Uh, and when I walked in this morning, I think it'd be really good to get that as a podcast episode. So we have scoured the building at Perth College to find a room quiet enough. <laughs> Non echoey enough. This is the best we could do that wasn't a disabled toilet disabled or a janitor's cupboard or a first aid room. Or didn't raise any eyebrows. Or didn't raise any eyebrows. I mean, to be fair, deciding that we could actually have sat in a disabled toilet for 45 minutes together <laughs> raised some eyebrows. Indeed, yes. <laughs> I think it's possibly the weirdest place I could have possibly suggested to record an interview with two, two people sitting in a disabled toilet. I would have needed a chaperone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, is that, does that need to be reported to HR? <laughs> is Jamie going to hear about this? Afterwards? Probably. <laughs> Robert tried to lure Krishna into a disabled toilet. <laughs> um, well, I mean, thank you, first off, for sitting down, but, uh, and, well, and agreeing to do this, but thank you for being patient with all my stupid suggestions. Of totally fine. Um, so yeah, obviously, uh, I think it would, I think you'd agree with me in saying that you're you're not 
Scotland's number one female player. No. You're, you're not one of the sponsored athletes that you see in the media all the time. No. You're very low-key. I'm very low-key. Very low-key. Yeah. Even though you are the extrovert of Eden Rock. I am the extrovert of Eden Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they'll agree, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, they can listen to this and determine themselves. Yeah. Uh, we're still finding someone that's more extroverted at Eden Rock. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you are, unless people have been to Eden Rock, have been to Rattle and know you f- from there, um, I think a lot of people that might listen to this aren't going to know you. Um, no, I think people would probably recognise me quicker because of my unique hairstyle. It is rather recognisable, and there will be a photo that goes along with this on the podcast. So yeah, they'll probably have an idea who it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if if you don't recognise Christmas voice or you don't uh, don't know her already, you might recognise her her hair from Rattle. It is the the big frizz ball. It's oh, um, awesome. Yeah, very cool. recognisable. Very recognisable. I don't think I've seen anybody else at Rattle <laughs> with hair like that. No. Um, so yeah, hopefully you, you, you've seen her before, so you know who we're who we're talking to today. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm going to throw the ball back to you. Do you want to give us a, a little introduction of yourself? Who who are you? Where 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 in Scotland are you? Not quite a second, but where do you where do you work? What do you do? Okay, um, who am I? I'm Karishma Rogerson. Um, moved to Scotland about seven years ago. Uh, actually. Over seven years ago, it was seven years ago on the 1st of March, um, from the Seychelles. I moved to Scotland, lived in Prestwick, started climbing as a climbing taster at GCC back in 2000, and it would have been 2016, I think. Um, and yeah, just caught the climbing bug. <laughs> I guess. I just want to highlight that. She did say, you heard her right, she moved from the Seychelles, again, the Seychelles to Prestwick. I mean, it's tropical in South Ayrshire. Have you not been there? South, uh, yeah, the tropical metropolis of South Ayrshire. There's yeah. a Gulf Stream that just like changes oh, the honestly, climate completely. You can't see the roof of palm trees, then. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you, you came from the Seychelles and you ended up in Prestwick. You're not there anymore, no. you're Edinburgh based. Yes. So after after moving to Prestwick, after falling into climbing. Uh, falling climbing. into climbing is a nice way of putting it. <laughs> um, yeah, I trained up to be an instructor and then TCA was my my first my first job, my first climbing job. And yeah, I worked at TCA. I was the instructor there. And uh, I started root setting at TCA with Gaz. Gaz was my root setting teacher. Took, took me under his wing. Um, taught me a lot of the stuff that I know today. Yeah, and then I got a job at Rattle yeah. and I moved across to the East Coast. And I've been Edinburgh-based since, but I now work at Eden Rock. Cool. So, yeah. So you've done a good loop of Scotland's best centres. I have, yeah. 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 Started bouldering, went to the big loops wall, and then back, back to bouldering. Back to bouldering, gone full, full, full circle. circle. Yeah. Well, full circle would be ended up back at the Seychelles. I guess, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, in the future, maybe. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Well, yeah. 
we'll, we shall discuss that. <laughs> <Don't you worry. laughs> um, so yeah, the, the reason I wanted to do this was uh, me and Callum spoke to you at Eden Rock a couple of months ago. Um, and Callum, because he is the ever inquisitive person, I am not. Uh, I, I, I keep forget to ask people general life questions. Callum is the ever inquisitive philosopher, um, and he worked both with your sort of backstory, worked with your origin story. We, we could just say that Callum's the, the, the listener in, in the relationship between the two of you, and you're the talker. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be accurate? Um, I mean, I wouldn't quite use the term relationship, but oh. yeah. <laughs> bro, bro, bro relationship. Bromance. Bromance, Bromance that's there it. we go. <laughs> yes, okay. Callum, what was it Callum described as us that day? Uh, was the, oh, what was it? I can't remember what he said exactly, but it's like, you see a Robert and there's Callum. There's no Robert without Callum. Oh, it was a weird, non-monogamous relationship. Mm. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. And I did not know how to feel about that. <laughs> Compliment? I mean, it's flattering. I'm going to go stay at his tonight. I've already complimented him, complimented him on his short shorts, so I'm very behave myself. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, so Callum... Uh, was asking you about your sort of origin story and it was definitely not what the two of us were expecting when you started talking. Okay. Um, and this morning it dawned on me that you know, I think that would be really good to, to one, have a podcast, but sort of dive into a little bit because um, it's, it's a part of the, the world that I don't know very well. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, you said you, you came from the Seychelles. Uh -huh. um, how long were you in the Seychelles? Um, so I moved to the Seychelles in 2003, so that would have been 13 years altogether. Yeah. Yeah, so... So you moved to the Seychelles, where did you before that? Yes, yeah, so I was born in Kenya. There we go. Born in the Rift Valley. Nice. Um, and then moved to the Seychelles when I was in my early 20s. Right. Yeah, but my mom's, my mom's a Seychellois, which means she has Seychelles origins, but my father is a Kenyan. So what was that called? Seychellois. Seychellois. Yeah, so a person from the Seychelles is called Seychellois. I did wonder that the other day. I was like, <laughs> if I if I do a recording on this, how how what am I going to call people that come from Seychelles? Seychellois. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. I like that. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so, so she was from Seychelles originally, and your dad was Kenyan from Kenya. Yeah, yeah and you were born in Kenya. I was born in Kenya. Right, right. Yeah. Um, how old were you? Thirteen. Uh, no, no, no. I was in Seychelles for thirteen years, but right. I was twenty-one when I moved out. Oh right, so you were. Oh, you lived out your entire childhood in Kenya. Yeah. My whole, oh right, my cool. Whole childhood, yeah. Cool, whole childhood in Kenya, and yeah. then you were in Seychelles for thirteen years. Yeah. What a beautiful part of the world. Um, and you were there for thirteen years. I know that having done a little bit of rudimentary googling on the Seychelles, there's quite a bit. of Quite a bit of granite kicking about. It's it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it a volcanic island? No, it's granite. No, it is just. It is granite. Right. Yeah, okay, cool. yeah, it's just big granite rock in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but none of that attracted you yet. You didn't quite discover climbing. No. Surrounded by all these beautiful. Granite I didn't boulders. know that it was possible to climb them. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like the temperature in the Seychelles is a constant. 
well, it's between 28 and 32 degrees all year round. Um, nice. So it's a little bit too warm, I think. What to... you're saying is not good cons. <laughs> no. <laughs> what yeah. I'm saying is, <laughs> when the sun's out, people don't do anything. Yeah. So climbing is just a little bit too hard work in that in that temperature. Yeah. I guess. So what did you do when you were out there? Um, for, for 13 years in Seychelles, don't um, As a profession. Yeah. Um, I used to manage a printing press. Right. Um, and then just before I left, I managed holiday chalets. Right. Um. In Again, my, we're going to come on to the holiday chalets. <laughs> in my spare time, I I used to build and race go karts. And Sorry? I used to build and race go karts. <laughs> awesome, right? <laughs> and I had a sea kayak, so I used to do a lot of sea kayaking, a little bit of fishing off the sea kayak, a lot of snorkeling and yeah. diving. You know, exactly what you want to do in Seychelles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, but it's too complicated. So. Going to sea, yeah. <laughs> you used yeah. to build and race go karts. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. It was one of my passions at the time. Nice. Yeah. So I reckon at some point after this, we should organize a multi climbing wall go karting trip somewhere. Okay. Club Scotland series. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Right. You're Bring on. It on. Challenge accepted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how did you end up? How did the decision come about then? Going from Seychelles to Scotland, Preston. Sorry, people that live in Preston, but you live in Ayrshire, right? <laughs> um, how did it come about? Um, it was actually romance that brought me to Scotland. Aww. It was a Scottish lad <laughs> convinced me that the weather was better in Scotland than it was in the Seychelles. How did that conversation go? Because <laughs> I smell BS. <laughs> Well, I was green behind the ears because I didn't know what Scotland was. I'd never been before. Uh, no, I was happy to move, to be fair. It, it was a nice change. And um, I, I kind of see myself as a bit of a, a, a global citizen. Um, and yeah, so change is, is a nice thing sometimes. And I love being here. Scotland's beautiful. It's a beautiful country. But it's not raining. Even when it's raining. <laughs> Um, you told us before that you uh, you met, did you meet your mom in the Seychelles? No, no, we met on the dating site, online. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, forgot that part. Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> yeah, he was here, I was there, uh, we were matched, and he came out to the Seychelles. What was the distance between the Seychelles and Scotland? 5,630 miles. You guys got matched. <laughs> Over 5,000 miles away, and yep. he went, cool, right, let's go to Seychelles. Yep. Nice, you must have had a really good profile. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling. <laughs> <laughs> nice, uh, so he went out to Seychelles, did he stay out there for a bit? Yeah, we, we stayed out there for about a year. Cool. After we got married, and yep. And then he... And lied to you and told you the weather was nicer in Scotland. Yeah. You had to have words in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
and the rest is history. Yeah. So you end up in Prestwick first. Is that where he was from? Uh, no. So he was from South Lanarkshire in Lanark. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, Prestwick was just. I've always lived by the sea. When I was when I lived in Kenya, although I was born in the Rift Valley, we kind of moved to the coast when I was very young. Right. So I lived in Mombasa, which is a small little island, and then the Seychelles is surrounded by water. So it just felt. I just felt like I needed to be close to the sea. So we settled on Prestwick. And yeah, it's it's a nice wee town. I don't think I've ever actually been into the town of Prestwick. It's, it's actually quite a nice wee place. It's, uh, it's got its own wee... Actually, something that's quite unique about Prestwick is it has its own microclimate. And it's one of the reasons why they built the airport here. All right. Yeah. So it doesn't really get affected by fog and all the other... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why is that? It's just the climate there is slightly different. I think it's something to do with the Gulf Stream. And it's kind of sits in a bay that's kind of sheltered by Aaron. Yeah. yeah. Also, Aaron takes the brunt of anything coming in. I think so. Diverts yeah. That's really interesting. I'm just aware of the fact that I've just said that on the podcast. Yeah. And someone out there is going to be shouting. Oh, yeah. If you could anger <laughs> some meteorologist somewhere, yeah. And shout on the computer. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, well, if, if, I mean, if that's you what know I the thought answer, anyway. email in. I'm going to have to look that up afterwards. That's, that's really interesting. Oh. So that's one of the reasons they built the airport there. I think that's what I read. Clear weather. Clear, clear weather. Nice. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, so yeah. how did how did climbing fit into the picture? When did that happen? Um, it was a Sunday, nothing to do. Decided to try climbing. I went for a taster at, at GCC, so just booked a climbing taster. I'd never done climbing before, didn't know what it was. And How did you Because um, I always find it interesting when people that haven't discovered climbing in any way, shape or form before, yeah. haven't got any connection to it, randomly decide to take it up. Like, yeah. Where did that inspiration come from? I think I was just like online looking at things to do. And I, I just Google there's things to do in Glasgow. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, there's a climbing wall in Kilmarnock now. Yes, there is. So. Just open. Yep, just open. Go above adventure. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aye, so I think I just Googled things to do yeah. Glasgow. And then climbing came up. And I was like, oh, I've never done that before. Let's give that a shot. Nice. Booked a taster. And yeah, it was a really good experience. And... He recommended doing the startup, yeah, which was three-hour session split twice. Yeah. So you'd attend one and then have a break and then attend another one. And yeah, I did the startup and then just got into climbing. I used to just go into GCC and climb and auto belay and boulder, yeah, um, and do that quite a lot actually. I, I think I was in there maybe twice, twice a week, three times a week initially. Yeah. And I got to know some of the the instructors. Um, I got to know Willis and Willie. And yeah, Willie was very helpful actually. He he would he would see me in on my own, and he would offer to belay me and he would give me wee tips for technique and getting better. He is just the loveliest guy. Yes, he he's amazing. He's have you listened legend. to his interview? I have listened it to his so interview. It's so good. It's so good. He's a legend. Yes. Um, and he introduced me to some of the guys that climbed in there quite regularly, so I ended up climbing with them. And nice. They would be leaning in. 
Yeah, I was going to say, like, how quickly did you get kind of taken in by the community? Very quick. Yeah. It was very quick. I just felt like I belonged. Yeah, it was quite good. And then I kind of was not working at that time. I was working part-time just doing some IT stuff. Um, and I decided since I couldn't get a job, I would train up as an instructor and just try and get a part-time job doing instructing and IT. Yeah, so I did my CWI training, CWA at the time, at Rathal, um with Ewan, Ewan oh, Wasika. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. It was like so good. I learned quite like so much stuff that I didn't even know um, was relevant for being an instructor. Um, and I think at that point I, I realized that I really wanted to do this. I really wanted to be a climbing instructor. So I organized to shadow quite a lot. At TCA were brilliant. Derry like organized shadowing stuff for me at TCA, and I shadowed some guys at GCC, some of the instructors. And then I did some sessions at Rathu and within three months, I felt like I was ready to do my assessment. And that would have been January, like 2016. And someone said, you're going to do your assessment in Rathu in January. You're crazy. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know what they meant, but <laughs> I did it anyway. Um, and I got through it and TCA just took me in. I got a job there almost straight away. And yeah, I started instructing at TCA. Worked there for about a year before um, I applied for a job. They were looking for instructors at Rathal and it was just part-time and I applied for that and got into Rathal and just kind of stuck there for about four years and a bit. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Um, so you obviously went to this board Sunday Lazy Sunday afternoons. Uh, the GCC hung out with Preston uh, on the tasting session, uh, and then you went to the intro portion. But that first session that you did, was it kind of like you kind of fell in love with it then? Did, did it grab you then, or were you kind of a little bit intrigued by it, kind of enjoyed it, but Preston saying you should do the intro course? Did that give you a bit of a drive? No, I think I, I think I had kind of already fallen for it in my yeah. first my first session, um, and I knew that yeah I wanted to do more climbing. I didn't know I wanted to be an instructor at that yeah. point, but definitely knew I wanted to climb more. I, I think I liked the challenge. Um, so sort of personal, the the physical challenge or the mental challenge? Both. Yeah, I liked that it was both physically challenging and mentally challenging, um, and I think I have a thing for heights. <laughs> I do. It sounds you weird. Me, you yeah. just feel really comfortable standing on small ledges high up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that takes me back to my childhood. So growing up in Kenya, we lived in a, a block of flats, and it was a really tall block of flats. And we were on the top floor, and above us was like I don't know what you would call it in the UK, but it was like a terraced bit, and you could go onto the terraced bit. So, so Mombasa is like a, garden, yeah. Like so Mombasa is a really warm town. And we would, as kids, we would spend so much time up there, my brother and my sister and I, and we'd be riding our bicycles on the roof terrace and whatever, and sometimes just sitting on the edge of this really tall tower block, and I never felt uncomfortable. So I, I think, yeah. And, and, and then my mom would come by and see us sitting up there and have a total <laughs> <That's mom's laughs> meltdown. <too. That's> 
But I was constantly jumping between the buildings as well. So how big a gap and how big a drop? Um it was about four or five stories tall and it was maybe a gap of about two, three feet. So yeah. Great. <laughs> you were right to be a climber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I've always felt really comfortable at heights. Yeah. 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 So I think it's it's just yeah, that's kind of what attracted me to climbing then. Yeah. yeah. Um it's probably why uh, possible. I think, like you said, the, you got taken to the climbing community pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think most people who get into climbing do. Yeah. The climbing community is just a wonderful bunch of people. It is. Um, but if you've got that kind of real big passion for it and it, it kind of stirs something that's already inside you, um, that, you know, that gets put across quite quickly. Um, yeah. And you definitely put yourself into the community, embed yourself into the community quite quickly. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah. So was it, was it the same kind of feeling then when you went to do your CWA at the time, that kind of, oh, I want to do this. Did you have, was it that kind of moment or, or was it as you were kind of doing the consolidation period? You're like, actually, no. I, I think it was during the training. Uh, it was during the training. So, if you know Ewan, he's, he's a really amazing instructor. Um, and I think it's just the way he ran the training that made you feel like you could you could be an instructor and help people get into it, help people enjoy it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like that kind of job where you're, where you're actually seeing the difference you're making for somebody. Um, Perfect example is is the wee kid that I've been coaching for the last four years. Yeah. His his journey started with a taster session, and he's like absolutely crushing it now. So he, yes, he is. You can see the difference it makes in, in people's lives. I think that's the thing that also kind of drew me to it. Yeah, uh, just trying to make that difference. Um, potentially also like the, the kind of welcome that I did get into the climbing community, like being, being someone that's come in from a different country and not really having any family and anybody here, having left all your friends behind, yeah. it, it does tend to get like quite lonely. But then when you, when you're suddenly surrounded by all these people and they've welcomed you and you just feel so comfortable, I think that was also quite, quite a big draw. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I bet you. Yeah. Like you said, you consider yourself a citizen of the world. Yeah, a um, citizen. And yeah. I think the climbing community, just the kind of attitudes that we all have, lend ourselves to yeah. being the same kind of attitude. Of, like every, if you're, if you enjoy the same things that I'm doing, you're instant family. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. No, it, it's it's really nice to hear that the community took you on so quickly. It is. Yeah. Um, when you're Instructing them, obviously, you, you, you did your CWA, CWA assessment, started with TCA, moved over to uh, Rathal. TCA is a bouldering venue, Rathal mainly roots. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say the word roots, rubbish. I would never say that on a podcast. I've never been recorded saying that. No, you would not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, two very different styles of instructing mm-hmm. bouldering instruction and mm-hmm. rope which did you have a preference for which one, or was it you, 
you enjoyed the sort of challenge part of both? Um, so I think when I when I initially did my training and assessment, I had it in the back of my head that I was going to end up working at GCC mm. and just have a mixture of both climbing and bouldering. As it turned out, TCA needed instructors, and that's where I ended up. And I wasn't so much into bouldering at the time, but I grew into it. And I think I'm grateful for the fact that I did start at TCA because being an instructor in a bouldering world is a lot more challenging. Yeah, because you have kids for an hour and a half. You have to fill that session with things that they can do and not get bored. Whereas in a climbing world, when you're tying in, putting harnesses on, and there's quite a lot of time in between um, and not so much thinking on your feet. Yeah. So I think the experience of being a totally new instructor and having to like um, put yourself outside of your comfort zone and think on your feet, problem solve and run sessions and make sure everyone has fun. It was good. Yeah. I think you've that got eight kids that you know, spend 30 seconds on an attempt at a holder problem. Well, there's a lot of 30 seconds that go into an hour and a half. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's a stressful environment. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, yeah. I, it can be. Well, I, I think I handle stress quite well. <laughs> in a rope world, you've got everybody tied to the one rope. It's a lot easier to manage. It is. It's easier to manage, yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful for the start that I had. Yeah. Um, it meant that when I did move to Rafo, I felt more comfortable being an instructor. Yeah. Um, I, I did, I had still kept up climbing at other places, so I had still kept up my rope work and everything else. So it wasn't too much of an adjustment. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the transition as well. Do you find, um, obviously you've now worked in a bouldering venue, you've worked in a rope venue, uh, the, the the instructing styles are kind of pretty different when you're instructing in a rope wall. There's a much heavier element of this teaching the safety aspect and um, the rope work aspect, the belay, the tight knots, putting the harness on. Uh, whereas in a boulder wall, because you haven't got that, it's a lot more coaching kind of things. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, there's still some there's still some safety stuff that you need to teach people in a boulder wall. Yeah. Um, but not quite as much as not quite as much. I yeah. just, it's I've I don't know, you correct me if you've noticed this or not, but it's it takes a lot less to teach those safety part of older way. Um, and then once it's tech there's less of an emphasis yeah. on it. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Like an induction session in a bouldering wall is an hour. Yeah. But a, a startup is two hours minimum. Yeah. So there's a lot more to teach. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you've got a startup and you're teaching people how to safely tie a figure of eight and they don't get it in two hours, that's that's a lot more dangerous than giving someone an induction in how to supervise their kids safely or boulder safely in a bouldering centre, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So how did you find that transition then, going from so a bit more coaching elements in your instruction to have, to have a bit higher emphasis on just the safety aspect constantly and making sure that that um, I think I, I quite enjoyed the challenge, yeah. to be honest. Um, I really enjoyed teaching people the startups, like taking the startups. I really enjoyed them. And may, maybe I kind of 
blended a little bit of the coaching into it as well. So it would always start with teaching the basics, teaching the safety, teaching to tie the knots, teaching to belay safely. And then once they've got that dialed, spend the rest of the time giving them wee techniques for climbing and how not to pump out too soon and not to like climb with really bad footwork and stuff like that. So so maybe I would take a little bit of the coaching and, and add it into the safety. Yeah. Um, but then the sessions at Rafa were quite varied. You could be doing a startup and then you're on a taster session and then you're doing a personal coaching session. So it, it was quite varied. I think I've, I've noticed in the you know, decades of better I've been doing this that instructors that have maybe gone the other way through the pathway, so starting a rope wall um, and then maybe need to work on a boulder wall, um, they find that transition a little bit more difficult and there's definitely not as much coaching going mm. on. It's you know, how to be safe. And, yeah. You know, that's fine as long as everybody's leaving the centre with a smile on their face yeah, because yeah. they don't come back and that, that's cool. But yeah. the, I think the, the instructors that actually become better instructors at the end of the day follow the same path as you yeah, did. You know, yeah. Having that maybe slightly more stressful the coaching element and then working a rope ball where you can blend those two a little yeah, bit better. Yeah. Um, I think instructors that start on rope balls might struggle a little bit more trying to add the coaching element into their their pretty set ways of yeah. doing things. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. I think I think the good thing about being an instructor is just kind of like there's no set way to run a session. Yeah. Everyone has their own style. Everyone will tailor the session to how they they feel comfortable delivering it. So there's no right or wrong. As long as you're teaching the correct safety. Yeah. There's some things that are standard and then everything else is just how you deliver the session, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's quite cool. It's quite unique. It is. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. You wouldn't get that in in a lot of other sports, everything's a no. lot more regimented in yeah. a lot of other sports. I think it's it's nice seeing now lots of instructors, um, like obviously you're of a, of a younger generation of instructors um, that are a lot more flexible to, to different ideas and switch up instructor yeah. styles and coaching styles and blending ideas yeah. and stuff. Um, and like, like you said, as long as you're making sure that everybody is safe mm-hmm. yeah. um, you can then play it out with everything else and if people are walking away with a smile on their face yeah. they're fantastic yeah. if they're walking away with a smile on their face and they become a better climber at the end of it even better even better yeah, yeah absolutely um, but in saying all that you've ended up now at Eden Rock back to bouldering <laughs> centre back to bouldering <laughs> yep what brought that decision on was that uh, do, do you prefer what brought that decision on um mm. I guess I had been at Ratha for quite a while yeah. and I felt like it was time for a change. I felt like I needed to be doing something slightly different. Um, I didn't know at the time that it was going to be Eden Rock. Um, it was just a spur of the moment decision. And then, yeah, just a chance conversation with Mike Mullins yeah. um, landed me in Eden Rock. Nice. <laughs> nice. So yeah, it was, wasn't planned. It wasn't intentional. Um, but yeah, I think personally, I, I kind of feel like you, you never stop stop learning. You yep. have to keep going. You, you keep growing. And I think I was at a place where I felt like I wasn't learning anything. And I wanted a new challenge. Yeah. 
and yeah, it's it's the exact same reason I took this job. Yeah, exact same reason I took this job, and it's good. Like it's good that you recognise that because I think a lot of people get to that stage and they don't recognise it. Yes, get stuck in. Yeah. Um, so do you find then that instructing in, in a kind of bouldering environment is that a little bit more stress and having to think of bit quicker on your toes and come up with stuff a bit faster is a it lends itself to you learning more yeah about do you learn more about your your own instruction yourself or or how how to analyze different people what mm. they need um i think a bit of both yeah 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 you definitely learn more about yourself and depends on the type of sessions when when you're running like the NICAS sessions and you've got loads of kids and you know that you need to keep them entertained for the hour otherwise they're just going to become really naughty and misbehave themselves <laughs> <laughs> so you you have to think quick and you have to make sure it's kind of structured and yeah and then some days it kind of tests you more than other days uh and you learn you learn yourself where 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 your test lines lie. Yeah. Um, it makes you more resilient as well, I think. Yeah. Um, and then when you run the adult classes and it goes totally different, you learn about delivering those classes in different ways. Every coaching, every personal coaching session is completely different because every individual comes with different things that they want to learn. And then you have to structure that session based on that. Um, I would say that that's probably one of one of the hardest sessions because you're meeting someone for the first time. They're telling you what they want to learn. And you have to assess where they're at and whether that's really what they need to learn, and then tailor that session to that. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 quite tricky. It is really tricky because sometimes you know you've got the experience to know what someone needs yeah. but what they want is vast so different. Yeah. 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 Um, where does your preference lie you obviously you, you work with kids you work with adults mm. um, obviously with the work that me and Callum do we focus mainly with kids mm. um, and that is definitely where my preference lies mm-hmm. because well, we're both massive children ourselves <laughs> um, but yeah where, where does your preference for instruction lie um, I like the mix I do. I do like the mix. I like working with kids. Yeah. Um, equally, I like coaching adults. I think before I became a climbing instructor, one of the things that I did think I would end up doing was being a teacher. Um, and I guess it is kind of like being a teacher. It's not a classroom, and it's not a school, but it kind of is. You've got your own classroom. Yeah, the climbing wall is is the classroom. Um, so yeah, I enjoy working with kids. I think ideally, in an ideal world, I would be teaching kids climbing outdoors. Yeah. That's that's more where I would like to be. I'd like to be outside doing stuff with with um, real rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm happy in the climbing centre as well. Oh, there's tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to really backtrack here. Okay. So, there's not much developed climbing in the Seychelles. No. Really not. No. Uh, you said you worked in uh, the... Printing press. The printing press and then the... Holiday, holiday chalets. Um, I've seen that some of the holiday, 
all the shellings have got bolted on holds, plastic okay. holds on no. the granite. Just, <laughs> oh, okay. oh, it breaks my heart. <laughs> breaks my heart. Okay, that's just one venue. Uh-huh. It's it's a massive uh-huh. big hotel. It's actually a big... So this wasn't your doing? It wasn't my doing. Uh-huh. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> so would you... I mean, would you ever consider going back to the Seychelles to, to try some of the climbing or, you know, taking your knowledge of instructing and working with kids and coaching and uh, say you, you want to work outdoors at, at some point? Mm. Um, is that something you you would consider at some point? Yeah, Maybe I think go so. Back and try to develop some stuff. Out there. Possibly. I mean, I did go back for Christmas. Yeah, and I took my shoes with me. And um, there's hundreds of boulders on the beach. Yeah, hundreds of them. So in between chilling on the beach, sipping cocktails, um, I did do some beach bouldering. Yeah. Um, I was on my own in terms of I didn't have anyone that would want to try any climbing, climbing uh, which would be trad Sorry, climbing. Sorry, bouldering is not climbing, climbing. <laughs> okay, so this is what it works in a bouldering wall. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't have a belayer or a climbing partner, yeah. so it, it was just bouldering. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would love to go back and explore the rock, um, see what's there. I think that there's definitely like scope for some bolted roots and maybe some trad Um, in terms of a climbing center yeah i think there's there's also scope for that yeah Um, i think with with, you know the luxury of lovely granite boulders on the beach uh, i think running outdoor sessions for kids in in my head i'm like i want to go and run a real rock in the seychelles it sounds and looks amazing if you're listening to this, Google, just Google climbing or any photos of the Seychelles and boulders will blow your mind. Uh, I think that would be that would be awesome. And you know, you wouldn't need an indoor centre to start them. No, you wouldn't. Go hang out at the beach. You could, yeah, you could definitely start outdoors. I do think there's maybe one or two people that have probably done a wee bit. Yeah, um, not a lot. There's not there's not nothing like recorded, and there's no routes that have like officially been. There's um, definitely some bolted roots. I've seen bolted roots. So lines. that's a hotel. That's that's in a hotel. Really? Yeah. So there's one massive big granite rock yeah. in a hotel called um, Constance Ephelia. And they use it for their in-house guests. So you could really? you can yeah, top rope. So the, the Seychelles actually is is made up of smaller islands. It's made up of one hundred and fifteen islands. The main island is Mahe which is the biggest of yeah. the islands. Uh, and there's hundreds of boulders on Mahi alone. But the best boulders are on one of the smaller islands. Uh, there's an island called Ladig, which is the third island in the, in the group. And yeah, that's iconic. Like most tourists go to that beach just for photos with the boulders. Yeah. <laughs> is that the one that's got the big boulders? It's got runnels all around yeah. it. It's just stunning. It is. It is. It's amazing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like, yeah, I mean, I kind of want to go to the Seychelles and run some climbing stuff. I don't know best, about you. Best time of the year to go would be like November, December, January because it's cooler. Yeah. And when I say cooler, I mean that temperatures go down to about 26 degrees. So not that much cooler. <laughs> no, yeah. it's still hotter than a Scottish summer. 
<laughs> and you moved here again. Why? <laughs> because of the winters. Do you do any winter bike? I have done once or twice. Mm, okay. Yeah. God, that's a whole other podcast. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you managed any this year? No. Not yet. Go out this year. Are, do you think you will? In the conditions and stuff, that's probably going to be good for another few weeks. Yeah, uh, maybe. I can. I can be convinced. I mean, you know, <laughs> I live in Portland now. You want to come up and go do it? Awesome. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, oh man. Yeah. So that's that's the Seychelles, I guess. Yeah, I would. I would love to explore what can be done out there yeah i think before i left um my life as as a manager of a printing press was totally different it yeah. was a nine to five office job and i didn't really get much time to do much outdoorsy stuff but before i left the printing press i had taken up sea kayaking and road cycling and i would cycle before work around the entire island which is possible. As you do. And then I would kayak after work um, until the sun goes down. Yeah. And that, that was pretty much my, like my release from the nine to five job. And that made me realize that I didn't want to do an office job, which is why I moved to the holiday chalets. Yeah. It was a much more chilled nine till three, and lots of time to just kayak and do outdoorsy stuff afterwards. Yeah. After moving to Scotland and before becoming a climbing instructor, I did some work for Scripture Union Scotland, and it was their holiday camps in Glencoe Village. Oh, really? They had water sports, like for the kids, yeah. and we would take them out kayaking and canoeing. They had mountain biking, and we'd do canyoning, and we would go um, rock climbing, but just top roping yeah. outdoors. And that's when I really fell into instructing. That's when I thought, yeah, absolutely great. I would be a kayaking instructor or something. So I did I did a few courses. Um, I did my coaching for kayaking, foundation safety rescue and stuff like that. And thought, yeah, I'll take us back to the Seychelles and open an outdoors company or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, maybe one day. Yeah. A little adventure business out there doing it. Yeah, maybe. Nice. <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. Definitely. <laughs> Less snowy winters. Though. Less snowy. I'd miss the snow. I think. <laughs> cool. Uh, I'm. I'm psyched to see you know. See you continue to develop as, as an instructor, and you know I, we're really sitting here today, like as a setter. It's cool that you you joined the team. Thank um, you. Uh, I really like that um, little brown problem you said right at the start of the day. I think yeah, that was actually really entertaining. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it'd be cool to see you continue to develop here and hang out more here but uh, yeah if you do ever end up out there I, I will definitely be out for a holiday at some point to, You're more than welcome. to let you take me on an adventure you can you can come over to the Seychelles you'll have free accommodation awesome <laughs> just pay your flights and just get out there done, yeah. done. I'll sleep on the beach I don't need accommodation it's fine <laughs> <laughs> Wow, cool. I want to go to the Seychelles. If you don't want to go to the Seychelles, just Google Seychelles boulders and then you will want to go to the Seychelles. What an incredibly beautiful looking place. And Karishma came from there 
to Prestwick. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, thank you very much, Krishma, for sitting down. I Next time, I promise there will be better audio. Um, but whether you're climbing in Prestwick or you're climbing in the Seychelles, do remember to do your buddy checks. <laughs> <laughs>